Let's jump in uh, to today. We're continuing on in our series, Community Over Content. And I don't know about you, but for the past seven months, it's been pretty easy to look at our faith as content over community rather than community over content. We can go online. I mean, I remember when COVID first started happening, I would go on YouTube and there's 20 different churches that I follow or been a part of in the past and they got services up every Sunday. Some of them have them on multiple hours in on Sundays or all over the weekend or all over the week. And so it's easy to just to consume, consume, consume all of this content as it relates to our faith. And we can think that we're like puffing ourselves up by all that thing, all that stuff. But I think what we found as we've gone through online church and social distancing is that the missing key ingredient of all those things is the community, the personal contact, the personal interaction. And so this has caused our church, Open Life, to try and adapt in this season while holding on to the heart of the gospel that jumps out of this verse in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. It says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. And so I I love this verse because it shows us that the gospel is so much more than just a story that happened long ago that we memorize and recite and tell our friends and we hope that they like catch it, memorize it, and recite it over and over. No, the gospel is so much bigger than just a story. The gospel is this sharing of our lives for the purpose of following Jesus. And it's just incredible when we get to actually do that, to share our lives as well as we're pursuing Jesus together. And so in this season, it's vitally important that we're challenging ourselves on what it really means for us to value and pursue community over content. And so the last three weeks, we've looked at some big ideas as it relates to this. We looked at how community is expressed by walking with each other, how community is secured when we meet with each other, and then finally, how we can find common ground with each other when we have this goal of community at the forefront. And so before we move forward in what we're going to talk about today, we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit. But I want us to put ourselves in the mindset of the disciples that were with Jesus, but like from the three years of he was doing ministry until he dies and is resurrected. Just think about like being in those footsteps of Jesus, being with him and hearing his teachings and being at the Sermon on the Mount, hearing him talk through the Beatitudes when he's saying, blessed are you, blessed are the poor, blessed are all these different things. Just think about like just being under his instruction, hearing him tell the different parables, parables from time to time and what that would mean for your life. Because what Jesus was really doing, he was grabbing this super intentional, small community of people to create and show them this new way of living in the upside down kingdom of God. And I just love to just imagine like how incredible it would have been to hear in person what Jesus was saying. And these disciples had a front row seat to really this kind of, if we're looking at the context of our series, this community taking over content while Jesus was teaching them. Because for many of these disciples, they would have known all of the scriptures. They would have been praying for a long time. They would have, you know, maybe even been cast out for things they did, or they know people of just this religious rule of living 
completely by the book and not having any sort of relationship with God. And they were probably just longing for something, and Jesus brought that community. And so this all culminates in Jesus' death and resurrection. And Jesus was putting all of this into action when he died on the cross for our, our sins, and then we rose again to give us life. And so as a disciple, what would it have been like to just be one of the first to know this way of life that Jesus was teaching? Like how, like how much of an honor would it have been to be chosen to be the person that consumes all of this from Jesus? And this is even like a mandate to go live differently. And I just think it would be so incredible to be with God himself in the flesh. And so as we read this story, and especially like as we're going through the Bible reading plan, we were going through Luke and Acts. And so in the future, we're going to be going through Acts. And then that's the story of what happens after Jesus raises from the dead. And he's giving him this like instruction to wait on the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So let's read in Acts 1, 3 through 9. And so this is after Jesus has died and has been resurrected. And he's giving um, the disciples um, continued teaching. He's saying, so it says this in Acts 1, 3 through 9. It says, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And so this is Jesus continuing the teaching. He says once once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And so I want you to just notice where the disciples' focus is in this time. They're thinking about their plans for the kingdom, not necessarily Jesus or God's plans for the kingdom. And so Jesus replies, he says, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But then he says this, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. And so I love that Jesus kind of takes their mindset and changes it. And he, he's basically telling the disciples to wait for the gift of power that would soon come. In just a few days, he says. And so you can see that the disciples are still stuck in this kind of content mindset. When will you do what we think you should do? What we have learned, what we have studied, what we've always thought you were coming here to do. But Jesus wants them to focus on those who aren't a part of the community yet. And so I think that's so beautiful. And it shows the mandate that Jesus gave the disciples. That all there to go to the ends of the earth to tell people who haven't heard about Jesus to tell them their story. And so Jesus knew they needed power to change their minds. And so that's where we read now in Acts 2. Fast forwarding just a little bit to the next chapter. Acts 2, 1 through 13, it says this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. 
Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there, was dev- there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, uh, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, uh, Cretans, and Arabs. Oh, I skipped a spot. In the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. I'm even amazed that all those people were able to hear the languages and I'm just reading the story. And so they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, they're just drunk, that's all. And so I find that kind of humorous, that uh, people are hearing their languages, but then there's these people over here. It's like, guys, this is our simple explanation for all this. They've been drinking too much early in the morning, and now they're just, you know, spouting nonsense. And so uh, what I love is Peter stands up in this moment, and he's like, this is my time to shine. And if you know anything about Peter, he's one of those disciples I ask you to put yourself in the shoes of. And if you think, like, just weeks previous to this, he denied Christ, and he said he never would have done that. And yet Jesus restores him and asks him to feed his sheep. And so Jesus stand, or Peter stands up, and he explains that, no, we're not drunk, but at this moment, this power that has come upon us is a fulfillment of scripture that we have all studied before. And he begins to talk to them and just say, guys, like you uh, ridiculed Jesus, you asked for him to be crucified, and he was, and that has brought judgment on you. But if you repent and believe and are baptized, you can follow him. And so as you read, um, obviously many of these people took Peter's words to heart because it says 3,000 people were added to the 120 who are gathered together. And it's just amazing to see that transformation. Of all the times, Jesus, you look at what he's doing. Yes, crowds came and were listening to him teaching. But this is a time where people were actually added to this new found church. And so remember, as a disciple, what would it have been like to see things full circle? Up to three years of listening and experiencing the teachings of Jesus, it would be easy to see, man, I got all this content in my mind. I have all these things built up inside of me. But then instantly, in the moment of power, you see a community formed. And it's really beautiful to see. And so today, our big idea is that the Holy Spirit empowers a distinct community. You see, Jesus wanted the disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit to come on them um, in power because he wanted them to be different and distinct from any other community or culture that was established at the time. He didn't want to create another group of religious leaders. He had that in the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But he, he didn't want to create a new nation that would expand its borders through violence and war. Jesus wanted his followers to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, to walk in the way of Jesus and call people to something counter 
to the culture that was at hand. He created a distinct community through his disciples. And so we read what happened after Peter's discourse is done in Acts 2. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and a sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved." And so if you look, those four things right at the beginning of that section, it says the believers were devoted to teaching, like the things that Jesus had taught them, the fellowship, that's gathering together and being together, sharing in meals, and even the Lord's Supper, like they're sharing like life together. And then they're, uh, importantly, prayer is what they're coming together to do. And so the results of this were miracles and radical generosity. As we've gone through the Bible Project videos for our Bible reading plan, I love that one of the things they mentioned is that what Jesus was teaching was a new form of radical generosity for this time. And it's important to know that this was a, like the perfect way of doing church. It didn't come with its own problems. As, you read, as we will read through Acts in future weeks in the Bible reading plan, there were problems that arise from this way of living, and they had to organize and do things differently and be mindful of that. But this model of community is so distinct from the culture at the time. People wanted to be a part of it. And so as one commentator states, it says Luke's summaries present an ideal for the Christian community, which it must always strive for, constantly return to, and discover anew if it is to have the unity of the Spirit and purpose essential for an effective witness. And I just love what that commentator said. He said, they had unity and purpose for an effective witness. And so I think when we're talking about community, it it means coming together for purpose and in unity, we're together moving forward in the same direction so that people can see something different and distinct that they want to be a part of. And so we have two thoughts today just to talk about community as it relates to like the Holy Spirit and what we can do to live empowered lives as a, as a spirit-empowered community and as individuals. And so thought one today is that communities can be created around anything. And I'm sure you've know this. Thad mentioned it in past weeks. We have all these communities in our lives. We live in Washington. That's a huge community. But we live in Bonnie Lake. Some of us live in different neighborhoods. Those are all just segments of communities. If you're in high school, you're in a community. If you're in a class or a club, you're in that smaller community. And I think like you think when I think of community, I also think of like sports teams. I live in Washington, but I'm a fan of the Green Bay Packers, and that creates this distinct community. Everyone else is Seahawks fans, and I get to fight against that community all the time. But uh, one of the interesting things about social media is that I feel like it's created all of these small communities based upon our interests or things that we're passionate about. I think knowingly we join these communities, and then unknowingly, if you know anything about the algorithms, we've suddenly become in these small communities of people who think just like we do. But if you remember the, uh, I don't know if you remember in the Super Bowl, Facebook had a Super Bowl ad, 
and it was about joining groups. And so I grabbed some screen captures to look at the different, they were trying to create groups around rocks. And so they're using the song, I Want to Rock, over and over. So maybe you remember this, but first they had uh, on the on the commercial a rock skipping group. And so they put them all together and they're talking about how Facebook group brings people together. And then it's the rocking chair group. This was a fun one. Like just all these people that like to rock on their chairs on their porch. The next one was the amateur rock it building group. They're amateurs. They like to build the rockets. The next one was the Rocky Balboa, Balboa group. And so they really like to play up this rock idea. And yes, if you go to the next slide, that's Chris Rock. And so that's a funny, and then of course they got Sylvester Stallone himself, Rocky himself, you know, Adrian, you know, like doing his thing, it's like funny. Um, and so it's a good commercial because it shows that these communities can be formed around different ideas, around different things. And um, my only quip, my suggestions for Facebook, but I want you to see, yeah, it says whatever you rock, there's a Facebook group for you. And I think that's kind of just, they're proving the point that communities can be created around anything. But my suggestions for this is why not go with Dwayne The Rock Johnson? You know, that's like, I was just waiting for that one. Um, but then if you like biblical humor, they could have had like a, a First Peter and Second Peter Bible study because Jesus calls him the rock of the church. And like, they could have done that. But I don't know why they didn't do that. It's just like... They really are not, like, playing to my market, I guess. But it's just important to think that we can have all these communities, and we can, like, be focused on them and learning about them. But if we don't have a community of faith, like, the most important community we should be a part of and really prioritize is a community of people that are going to bring us closer to Jesus, that are focused upon the gospel, that share the verse in First Thessalonians, that, like, we're sharing around the gospel, but we're also sharing our lives together, and we're all pointed towards Jesus. The thing is, there can be genuine community in these non, like, Jesus groups. And, you know, I just think about even this week. I listen to a podcast, and then if for something that you listen to often, it can become sort of a community, and it's about, you know, American soccer, and I listen to all the updates, but one of the hosts actually passed away this last week from cancer, and just to see the community that came together to mourn and just kind of share stories or what they liked about those things was pretty incredible to see when it's just a podcast that brought people together. And so I just sit there and see all these different communities and focuses and just say, how much, more, how much more visible and apparent should the community of the gospel be for open life on a smaller level when we're in groups of people, people we need to have that we're sharing our lives with together. And if anything that has been taught to us over this past you know, seven months of being in COVID quarantine is if you don't have that community life can be really difficult and hard as it relates to our faith. And it even permeates and ripples out to the way we live our lives if we don't have people pushing us and nudging us towards the gospel and nudging us towards things we'll talk about in this next part. But it's vitally important um, because what makes the community of Jesus different and distinct, like we're talking about with this big idea, is that thought too, a community walking in the way of Jesus will be marked by the Spirit's fruits. 
a community walking in the way of Jesus will be marked by the Spirit's fruits. Hopefully, as we share in the blessings of following Jesus together and sharing our lives with one another, we're also walking in the Spirit and letting the fruits of the Spirit grow up inside of who we are and in one another. And so this is what's going to make this community distinct. Like, this is what's going to separate a group, uh, an American soccer podcast, or a rock-skipping Facebook group community uh, is going to be distinct from a group that's surrounded by the gospel, that's trying to grow in the fruits of the Spirit, that's trying to encourage one another to, like the disciples, bring other people into the community so they can find life and peace of mind through all of life's storms and trials. And so... As we read, Paul talks about this, and he talks about living life by the Spirit. And he says this in Galatians 5, 16 through 26. He says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under the law. And so Paul is teaching him the difference between living according to the law, like, and if you're thinking again of the disciples, they grew up learning about living according to the law, but now they're living in this spirit reality of living according to the spirit. Like they saw the way of Jesus and they were figuring out how am I going to live in this new way of understanding? How am I going to live out the way of Jesus? And the Holy Spirit comes on them. And this is what happens each and every time someone chooses to follow Jesus is you walk in this spirit and you now have the power of the Holy Spirit to help you do this. Because Paul goes on, he says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. And so just two quick things when we're reading a list like this is we often hear those first three items and our minds shut off. And we might say, well, I don't deal with any of that. Or maybe sometimes we feel judged. We're like, well, I'm not going to listen to the rest of the list. I'm being judged right now. And so we forget the rest of the things. But I would ask that we would read this with the same importance for all of them. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, and jealousy. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And so it's important that we see the whole list and we choose to let our lives be examined by it and to say, have I ever struggled with envy? Yes. And those are times I need to actually come before God and say, God, will you forgive me of the times that I've envied other people or the times that I've had fits of anger or rage? I have had fits of anger or rage as a Christian. And it's, it's like I'm not justifying or saying that was okay for me to do that. No, I'm saying just like the person who struggles with sexual immorality has to come and find forgiveness in Jesus, I too, for the things that I'm doing, have to find forgiveness in Jesus. And it's this continual battle between the flesh and the spirit. And so then the second quick thing is that there are communities, if we think about it and we're honest, there are communities that are either formed around these acts or at the very least they choose to sow or create these acts in the way that they split people apart. 
And so I don't know if you've understood it in our current context or in our political climate. There are so many communities right now that have been created to sow hatred, to sow discord, to sow dissension, to sow jealousy, to cause us to have fits of anger, whether it's publicly or online or on social media, and it's, it reverberates into our friends and our families, and it's splitting people apart. And so I want us to think, like, as a community of followers, as an open life church, as we're in our groups, how can we work together to create communities that are formed not by those things, but by the fruits of the Spirit? And so Paul goes on and he says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But he goes on and says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, such things there is no law. Let's read those again. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is also patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. And so remember, the Holy Spirit will empower a distinct community. And so as followers of Jesus who have created a community in our church, as followers of Jesus who are part of other groups that might not solely be established in our church, but they're for the purpose of pursuing Jesus, may we be people that join and gather around and pursue those fruits of the Spirit and not fruits of the law of all those like negative acts that we talk about. So the questions I'm asking when I'm reading these things is this. Am I committed to walking in the way of Jesus, to being with Him on a continual basis, so that I can keep in step with the Spirit, so that my life can be marked by the, those things we read. By love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The question I ask as a pastor, but I hope it's the question you ask as people that are part of Open Life, is are you willing to be a part of a community that is marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? These are the questions we should be asking when we're opening up Scripture, when we're coming together and opening these things. It's like, how are we pursuing these things together? Am I trying to do these things on my own and I have no knowledge of what any other people are going through? And so I just, you might be saying, okay, what does all this mean? And how can we practically flesh any sort of commitment to these things out in our lives to be a spirit-filled person or community marked by the fruit of the Spirit. And so I just have two just quick thoughts that you can jot down or just put in your mind. But the first is that we have to walk in step with the Spirit personally. And so it's tempting to hear a list like that, that you have to be have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, and all those things. You have to be perfect in order to, be, uh, to walk in the Spirit. And that's not the invitation here. The invitation is not of doing. The invitation is to be with Christ, to be with God, to pursue Him on a daily basis, to be putting ourselves in positions of spending time with God on a daily basis, however that looks for you. It, maybe that's you 
turning on worship music in your room and just having a time of honest prayer and reflection with God. Other people might have more like scripture reading because they're wanting to like learn the facts and learn the things so specifically. And it's going to be this blend of all of those things, not exclusive. It's like you shouldn't ever just be listening to worship music and never opening up scripture. Just like you shouldn't just be reading scripture and never having times of prayer or worship of just reflection with God. It's this blend of all these things and it's just this commitment to just rest in the presence of God, to rest in the presence of the Holy Spirit so that you can walk in step with the Spirit. It's an invitation to being, not doing. And so then the second thing is we have to walk in step with the Spirit as a community. And again, it's not an invitation to do a bunch of things, but it's an invitation to be all of those things. That as the people that are here right now, I mean, we can all say there's not very many people here, but we've all sacrificed to be here for this moment to say, I want to be in the presence, not only God, but I want to be in the presence of others. I want to make steps of being known and also knowing others. And I'm not just here to check off a box. I'm not just here to do something, but I'm here to be with someone, our God, and with other people together. And this is the idea of all of this. It's not content. It's not that we're just saying all these facts, but this is community together, being with one another. This is why we want to have like this emphasis on groups and being a part of those things. And if those groups, you know, aren't fitting for you, I just encourage a conversation. Like, what groups would fit? What are you really looking for? And I think we are ready to start those things and empower people to do those things. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're, if you're here right now or you're watching online, like, just let us know what kind of community you want to be a part of that will pursue these things. Because we don't want to be a community that pursues discord, or pursues like envy, or get sucked into the social media arguments that sometimes we don't even know we're a part of. We want to be a community that's distinct, marked by the fruits of the Spirit, because we have an honest and true relationship with God in everything we do. And so today's confession is this. It says, we will walk in step with the Spirit. And so if you've noticed the last few weeks, our confessions all been, I will do this or I'm going to do this. But this is the first week where we say we will walk in step with the Spirit because it's not only a commitment for ourselves, but it's a commitment as a community to say we're going to walk in the Spirit together and pursue Christ in all that we do. And so I just want to encourage you to just start today to be solely minded, focused on being in the presence of Jesus, not just this morning, not just like tomorrow, but make it a continual rhythm of your life to just stop and have intentional times of saying, God, I want to be in your presence right now. And I want you to just fill me with your power because we can't do this alone. I cannot just decide tomorrow I want to be more loving I could, it would last a whole day and then I'd be so mad because I'm trying to do it in my own power and it's not going to work. I can try my own acts of self-control, 
but it's only going to go so far. It's when I'm living in the power of the Holy Spirit that this really comes to fruition. The disciples found that out when they tried to do things in their own power. They were wanting to go on a different plan, but Jesus said, no, wait until the power of the Spirit comes upon you and you receive that gift and you'll add people to your community. And so let's just put that as our focus, to just be in the presence of God. Let's pray for revival. Let's pray for awakening. Let's pray for those that are watching online later this weekend. And let's be a community together, no matter how we're engaging. But let's be a community that engages for the purpose of growing and walking in step with the Spirit. So God, we will, this is our prayer, we will walk in step with the Spirit, God. We choose to make that our first decision today, God. But I pray for anyone that's here or is watching, um, just to consider, have they chosen to follow you? Have they chosen to be uh, one of your followers? And I pray that anyone watching today would just simply say, I choose to follow you. I choose to reorient my life. I realize that this is going to be uh, just changing of all my priorities and all the things I hold dear, but it's for the purpose of following you and to find true life and peace of mind through my growing relationship with you. And God, I pray for all of us as a community, would we be dedicated to walking in step with the Spirit? Would we even consider how our worship needs to change? Consider how our prayer life needs to change. Consider how our time in Scripture needs to change, not for the purpose of doing a list of things, but to be a distinct community that's called by you to be marked by the fruits of the Spirit, to be marked by love and of joy and of peace and of patience, of kindness, of goodness, of gentleness and self-control. We can look at all the communities, even in our community of Bonnie Lake, we can see communities that are just stuck in discord, they're stuck in bondage. They're stuck in just things uh, that are bringing them down, God. But may we be a community of followers of Jesus who are committed to your word and to the way of life you call us to. So, God, we pray all of this in your mighty name. Amen.